This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c everyone. Welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mona, where each week I hope to educate and inspire you in your journey through parenthood with information on your most common concerns as a parent and interviews with fellow parents and experts in the field. My hope is you leave each week feeling more educated, confident, and empowered in the decisions you make for your child. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I have Liesl from Mommy Labor Nurse. So if you are not following Mommy Labor Nurse already, you definitely need to. She is a labor and delivery nurse who is also pregnant with her second baby. And she is recording this episode when she is almost 36 weeks pregnant. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm doing great. It's really like I was just telling you before we got started. I'm really I feel good for being almost 36 weeks. I'm like, counting my lucky stars that I'm not miserable yet. And I'm sleeping pretty good. I mean, it's, it's good. I'm good. (laughs) Oh, I am so, so happy that you could join me. I know, you know, obviously where you're at in your gestational, gestational age right now, but also given, you know, obviously you're very busy with your amazing page and your amazing podcast. And that's, you know, I don't think I've ever told you, but I actually found when I first started Instagram, I found your page because some of my, my friends were like, you need to follow follow her. She has such good educational content. And when I was starting my page, I was like, wow, she's amazing. This is, you can do education on social media. So I, I love it. You don't even have to be pregnant, want a child, have a child to love your content, which is goes to show just how awesome you are in, you know, giving all that education. Um, And as a pediatrician, I love hearing the perspective of a labor, labor and delivery nurse and everything you talk about is right on par with what, you know, I would say too. And I love it. So thank you so much for your page and your podcast. Well, thank you. That was a very warm welcome. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) So I know you're, so obviously I know you're expecting your second child, but you Mm -hmm. have an, you have an older child as well, who is now how old? He is three and a half. Um, very excited about baby brother or baby sister. We don't know if what we're having (laughs) as of yet, we'll find out in a few weeks, but yeah, he's there. They'll, they'll be three and a half years apart. And his name is Walter. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know the timing. So did you start your page, Mommy Labor Nurse, after your son was born? Yeah. So, yes. So I started, I had him, um, he was about eight months old, something like that. And I was back at work already. I went back, I took, you know, three months maternity leave with him. And then I went back to the hospital almost full time. I went back, it's called like three quarter time, which is like pretty much full time, but, but one less shift, um, one less shift than, than full-time. So I was working a whole lot and had a three month old at home. And I'm just like, I just, you know, I love my job, but I'm just like, you know, every day that I go in, I'm like sad that I'm leaving my baby for 12 hours. And, you know, so I dealt with that for, you know, a five months or so he was about eight months old. And I, then I backed down to part-time. So I was doing two days a week and I, um, you know, we financially were like, okay, you know, this is needed. I want, you know, Liesl needs to be home more because my husband has a full-time job too, but I'm like, okay, maybe there's like something I can kind of supplement where I can like kind of have a little side, you know, gig kind of going because I'm like just part-time. Um, so I just kind of started Googling and saying, you know, how's like, what's the 
what are some ways to kind of make money at home, like as a, as a mom. Um, and blogging was like one of the, one, one of the first things that came up on Pinterest, of course, <laughs> like yeah. looking on Pinterest and blogging came up and I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually, that actually is a really cool idea. Like I could, I could write some articles about, you know, I was like, I love educating and doing, you know, I, I love my job as a labor deliver nurse. So maybe I could try and translate it into, you know, like an online platform. So I just kind of got the idea. I spent a few months then working on just my blog, like my website and my Pinterest. And it wasn't even, I wasn't even mommy labor nurse back then. It was just, it was called a different name, but I wasn't even like, you know, my Instagram page wasn't even really in my brain yet. So started that. Um, then it was right about his year birthday in February that I launched my website and like my Pinterest and stuff. And I had an Instagram page, but it was nothing like it is now. And then did that for a few months, you know, made a couple, couple hundred bucks, you know, a month, like nothing like crazy, crazy, but like enough to kind of supplement. And then, um, I was probably September of that year, probably a good like six months after I started blogging. I took an Instagram growth course and I started getting more into Instagram and educating more on Instagram. And I kind of, I changed my brand. I changed my name. And that's, that's kind of when mommy labor nurse was born. (laughs) So it's been, yeah, almost, almost, it's been over two years from like blogging anniversary, but a little less than two years of like mommy labor nurse anniversary, I guess. <laughs> what a, what a no. great journey. I, yeah. I've been obviously, I've been on Instagram for now and a little over a year. So I came in probably right after you had changed your, your brand. Yeah. And it's so awesome seeing your growth, obviously. And it's so yeah, inspiring, thank you. Um, thank especially you. being an edu- a primarily educational account. So I, yeah. I love that. So it's so great because it's so needed, right? And your, yeah. your page is a testament to how much women and soon to be moms or whoever it is, is craving educational resources about pregnancy and delivery. Um, So I really, really appreciate you and your account. How, you you know, how did your first pregnancy and delivery go? Is that, did that inspire you in any way to start the account by any way? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. I, so I had a great pregnancy with Walter. Again, we didn't know the gender. Um, when, when I was pregnant with him, had a great delivery. I, my goal was to not get an epidural with him. Um, and I was able, able to do that, which was pretty cool. So I delivered at the same hospital that I work at current. I still work at, and I plan to do the same thing with this one. <laughs> um, so I had a really, you know, great birth experience. It was very fulfilling. Um, and yeah, that kind of just, I, I probably would not be doing it if it wasn't for having a positive experience and just not, not only that, but having a positive experience and then just kind of using that to even learn more about how to educate moms more about having positive experiences and advocating for themselves. And I just got really into that, you know, while I was pregnant with him. So it kind of just translated over. But yeah, that, that certainly had an impact. I definitely don't think I would be doing, doing this, you know, this, if it wasn't for giving birth and just, and also just from an experience, um, standpoint and being able to relate with moms too, right? Like, you know, this, because you started your page kind of before you gave birth and now probably as a first time mom, you're like, wow, I can, I can relate a whole lot more to my viewers. And that's exactly how I felt. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Like it changed, changed the game. I I felt like I had a good idea of the basic stuff, obviously the educational stuff, but the personal aspect of going through, you know, obviously being pregnant, having the baby, um, obviously what happened with our, our delivery and then postpartum and the last seven months um, at the time of this recording, he's almost seven months. It's crazy. (laughs) I know it's nuts. It's crazy. It is crazy, but you were right that it comes from a true place of like, wow, I actually kind of get it now. I kind of understand right. a lot more and I want to help mothers not feel things that I felt in the past. You know, I want to help them feel empowered in parenting, like how you want them to feel right. empowered in their um, deliveries. So I, I completely agree that it comes from a, all this kind of comes from a place of looking at, you know, there's a need here. So right. totally agree. Now, is there anything that you're planning on doing differently this time around with your delivery, for example, or that maybe yeah. you did differently in your pregnancy? 
Yeah. So I definitely, I was telling you beforehand, but I'm, I'm definitely staying more active and trying to do a lot more things um, comfort wise, like to keep myself comfortable during pregnancy, because I realized the importance of that um, and just how it translates into like your whole life and just your mental health and just everything. Just like, if you feel good, you know, that's, that goes a long way. So that's one thing I have been doing is just just kind of staying more active. Um, another thing that I plan on doing is uh, reviewing my own content myself, like my own birth course that I've made, and also sending probably not the whole thing, but probably parts of it to my husband <laughs> for him to look over stuff because he certainly, um, you know, we didn't, I'll be the first one to say that I didn't take a formal birth class, like with my first pregnancy, because I'm a labor and delivery nurse. And I'm like, I do this all the time. You know, I don't need a birth class. I've, I've talked to enough people, blah, 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 blah. I felt super prepared, but I very much neglected my husband in the birth process. So I realized that with this pregnancy and I realized that I really want to like get him super prepared and send him not only my stuff, but like other resources and stuff, because I want him, cause he felt kind of so helpless with my labor feeling like he was just like, I, yeah, you know, I'm in so much pain and he's like, I feel like I can't help you, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it, when I say traumatic, it wasn't like crazy, crazy traumatic for him, but it was somewhat traumatic for him to see someone go through that immense amount of pain. And I, you know, like a lot of people can probably relate to that. Um, and now this time I want, him to be educated more on stuff that he can do to help me. So he feels like he's more like in a role, you know, and just help helping. So I want his experience to be a little bit more, I guess. So that's probably the main difference and I'm oh, helping him more. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that'll I help me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're right though. I don't think we focus a lot on the, you know, non-birthing partner nearly as much. And also they're Yes, they're not going through the heavy physical and emotional experience we are, but they are definitely involved. And obviously they go through a big adjustment postpartum as well. Um, I completely, that's so great that you're, you know, you're using this pregnancy and delivery experience now as to change that for your family. So I love that. So now what I'm going to do, I actually asked um, on my stories, I asked people to submit questions. Um, so I'm going to go over, you know, we're going to go through a few of those questions. Um, and also from the perspective of you being a labor and delivery nurse and me being a pediatrician. So I think I got a, a good amount of questions here and also ones that I think are really good for the pandemic also, because we're recording this in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. So the first one is how best can I pregnant woman advocate for myself during labor. And then we'll also talk about during like the whole the COVID pandemic too. Yeah, I know it, it changes a little bit, I think with COVID because there are, I think the biggest changes for people is like, there's just some more things that you have to advocate for yourself with, with regarding COVID um, and some changes. But yeah, I basically start off when we start talking about advocacy is I start talking to people on how to actually advocate for yourself because a lot of people just don't really understand what that means. And a lot of people kind of like have a negative connotation to advocacy and it's really not about being negative. It's just about, I mean, I really just kind of teach it as like, okay, you know, you want to talk to your care provider in a respectful way, first of all, right? You don't want to like curse at them or rub them, you know, completely the wrong way, but you want to be clear and concise and firm and say, hey, like this is how I feel. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom 
chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Let's do an example of, I don't know, let's say I want to stand up during labor or something, or I want to move around more during labor. So if your provider's coming in and saying, um, you know, we have to put you on the monitor, you have to be on, on bed rest, you know, your whole labor, I would probably advocate for myself and say, okay, um, first of all, can you can you kind of tell me exactly why that's needed? I would, you know, I. It seems like I'm really low risk. I, I'm looking, you know, my baby's not had had any heart rate decelerations. I've done this research on how, you know, my, how moving around can be really beneficial, especially if I'm super low risk. Is there a specific reason? Maybe there is, and then they bring up that reason. You say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like this is why now, but. That's not, you know, you're just asking questions. Advocacy is really about stating what you want to state and asking questions and getting to the end point of, okay, this sounds great. We agree. Or, okay, you know what? Let me think about it some more and we can reassess in 15 minutes or we can reassess in 30 minutes. That's, that's advocacy in a nutshell. And so, so important. I mean, like your voice is so, so important, not only in the delivery room, but in motherhood, in your whole freaking life, (laughs) right? The sooner you learn how to advocate, the better. (laughs) Yeah. And I appreciate you saying it in like a, you're, you're seeing it, you're saying it in a way that is kind. There is a way to advocate for yourself and not cursing, like you said. And, but you're right. I mean, having been on the other side, I mean, we're both in healthcare, right? So we obviously have to advocate for ourselves too. And your, your language choice is perfect, right? Can you tell me why we have to do it this way? Are there other options? And, you know, with the pandemic, one of the biggest things I'm hearing right now is, um, you know, a lot of times uh, babies do have to get separated from mom. And it's okay to ask them and say, what are my options here? You know, what are my options? Um, What are the risks of having the baby with me? Um, Sometimes, you know, in hospital settings, they have to have the mom sign paperwork if it's going against medical advice. Um, obviously you have to ask the risk and benefit. I think that's also something that parents forget that, Hey, if I'm, if, if I want to keep my baby here and I'm COVID positive, what are the risks? And then the the doctor will say, look, you, it is an airborne illness. You know, we're, we're concerned. We think it's best for da da da, but you can say nicely and say, you know what? I want this choice or I'm choosing to do this. There may be paperwork you need to sign, but you have to be willing to do it, right? You can't say, I want it this way, but I'm not signing a paperwork um, because they also are responsible for you and the baby's care, right? That's what they're there for. Um, but I agree with you that we all have choices and we all have the ability to communicate, hopefully, effectively. I know when stress is high and you know, you're know you tired and you just want things a certain way, sometimes we can get a little more angry, but um, it is there is a way yeah, there is a way that it can come off where it's receptive, you know, obviously that the caretaker or the, you know, care team will be receptive to it. So I agree with you. Um, now, my next one was, what would be your advice postpartum for C-section moms? 
Yeah. So I put out a, let me find it. I had the article open. I put out like a Q&A box a while back of moms. I said specifically, okay, if you've had a C-section, like I've never had a C-section. So I want to know specifically from you, what are some things that you think like, you know, are really needed postpartum wise. And really the main things were high-waisted stuff, like <laughs> like high-waisted pants, high-waisted panties. They have those like, I think they're by Upspring. Um, there's a few different brands, but like really super high-waisted, um, nice, un- nice underwear. And um, what are they called? The abdominal binders are really, really nice for C-section moms. They love those. Um, and then honestly, one of the funniest things that somebody said to me, one of the items was like, have you ever seen those? Let me, see, let me go back to my camera because I can't see you. Um, have you ever seen those little grabbers? Like they're like oh, extended yes. like um, mm-hmm. grabbers. Right. So you like, she was like, I brought one of those grabber things so I could just like grab things at the end of my bed and like grab things over. So I didn't have to get up because that's a C-section mom's different from a vaginal delivery. It's a lot harder to just like get out of bed. (laughs) So like anything that you can do to kind of get your, you know, keep, keep where you're at and not like move around a whole lot while you're healing. You know, you do want to move around as you're starting to feel a little bit bit better and your pain is starting to decrease. But like in that immediate postpartum period, it's, it's painful after you've had a C-section. They cut through your abdominal wall. It's, it's very, very painful. So anything you can do to like not do dramatic movements. Another mom said, um, she had like a really high bed at home. So like a little staircase, um, like keeping a little staircase right next to your bed. So it's like not that dramatic drop. Another mom said, um, a really good tip for recovery was going up the stairs backwards because that's not as like heavy. Um, so those are just some some of the ones that I put in my article. But yeah, it's a it's a little bit, too, you know, you want to still take it easy if you have a vaginal delivery, but you want to take it a little bit easier if you've had a C-section. Um, one more thing was uh, ice packs that are like shaped like uh, like rectangle, like that you can keep on your incision. Not so long that it gets really moist because you want to keep the incision dry, but ice is really, really good down there because... It feels very oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, absolutely. Because I, I had a C-section. So you had vaginal delivery for your first. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was hoping for the vaginal. I thought it would be fine. And man, you're right that it is, it is intense, the C-section recovery. Um, you're, you forget how much you need your abs to do so much. Walking. Yes. Sta- like laughing. And standing. Coughing. Like I, so yeah, I mean, I will say it gets better, obviously. And for anyone who's like, you know, does have a C-section, I don't want you to live in fear of it. It does get better. You'll get back to your baseline activity. But yeah, the first six weeks to eight weeks, it could happen like that where you're feeling like, wow, I feel like someone punched me in my stomach. And oh, all the time. time. Like one day I woke up and I was like, huh. Oh my gosh, I don't feel pain. But I love that. You are right that with the, you know, getting out of bed. So you said that mom who like had the stair, like stairs or steps, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to roll to your side and really try not to activate Mm -hmm. your core while you're healing because there's a lot of healing tissue. So the grabber you mentioned is great. Um, And also, you know, just anyone who can help you, obviously, if you have a partner or grandma or whoever with as much diaper changes or whatever so that you don't have to do as much bending down um, or doing less right as you recover because it's going to help you because the more you do the more the longer it's going to take to heal which sucks which sucks because you have a baby but I completely agree what about for breast what about for um, vaginal deliveries having gone through it yourself what are some must-haves postpartum yeah so vaginal delivery you know you you don't need quite some of the things that I talked about, but I definitely always recommend for moms, even with, you know, C-section moms, because you're going to be bleeding as well is to have a little basket kind of in your bathroom in your, you know, the bathroom that you typically use um, and having like hemorrhoid tux pads in there. Cause you probably, you know, most people at least maybe not have hemorrhoids that come out, but they, but they need tux pads just (laughs) down there because they've been pushing. Um, so tux pads and extra pads in there, extra underwear because it's, you know, it gets messy. Um, 
And I really like that Dermaplast spray. If you're familiar with that, they give that out at most hospitals, but not all. So sometimes you have to order it, order it on Amazon. It's just like a numbing spray. So I kept tux pads, regular pads, extra underwear, um, and the Dermaplast spray just like in a little basket on the top of my toilet. And that was my little postpartum you know, room. And then the other thing that I like to tell moms, and this is if you've had a vaginal delivery or a C-section, is make sure you're taking some stool softeners <laughs> because that is not fun. Um, and it's a reality if, you know, after you have, after you have a baby, you know, your body goes through a very stressful, significant event. And so your GI system a lot of times just says, whoa, <laughs> and it stops. <laughs> and so it can be days, you know, before you use the bathroom again. And most people go to the bathroom every day or, you know, multiple times a day, or some people are, you know, every other day. But usually, most people do have some degree of constipation. And so just being on top of those stool softeners, as someone who did not take stool softeners after, I was just like, I don't need that. I'm regular. I'm fine. And having to like, go through that first postpartum poop um, and being very, you know, severely constipated, I always tell moms, like, just make sure you're on your stool softeners. Make sure you're at least, like, moving your legs. You're not, you know, you're not, like, out being super, super active, but you're doing, like, a little bit of movement to get things going. You're drinking, like, some warm water or some tea, you know, to kind of, like, stimulate things again because, yeah, that's that's one thing I would go back and change. <laughs> oh yeah. And prune juice became, I never yes. drank prune juice, but prune juice, um, it was silly. Warm prune juice is what my, yes. my nurse gave me. Like it, it stimulated things and it was so needed. It's so funny when you finally do get back onto your normal pooping pattern, yes. how grateful you are. You're oh like, my gosh. yes, it's back and yes. it's not painful and I'm not in pain pooping. Yep. It's it, no one tells you that. I nope. agree with you. I didn't know it was going to be like that. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I know. Oh I wish I wish yeah. I did. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, that's that's such great advice. And I love hearing obviously from because you know, we both had two different types of deliveries yeah. with the C section and vaginal. So um it's so important. Now, did you were you able to breastfeed Walter? I did, yeah. I breastfed okay. him for I actually breastfed him till he was eighteen or nineteen months, but I supplemented the whole time until he hit, you know, until he was on whole milk like at a year. And then I just would kind of casually breastfeed him a few times a day until he decided, you know, he didn't want to anymore. But yeah, I breastfed him um, initially and he had some weight gain. He was really tiny. He was only six, four when he was born and I was over, you know, I was 40 weeks pregnant. So he was fairly small when he was born, had some weight gain issues. They um, advised that I supplement with some formula to get you know, his weight back up. And then we kind of just never stopped. Um, so I kind of did a combination of breastfeeding and formula feeding, um, and had issues, you know, with my supply kind of throughout and a lot of feelings that go along with that, of course. Um, but yeah, I did, I did breastfeed him and I, I enjoy, you know, it's genuinely enjoyed breastfeeding him, but not without the struggles. I want to know, you know, having, having been able to breastfeed, what would be your biggest tips um, to optimize breastfeeding postpartum? Obviously, I know it's very difficult from a pediatric standpoint too, but what would be your like go-to tips? Yeah. So I always tell moms that start your breastfeeding education even before you start breastfeeding. So start kind of learning about what breastfeed, because a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm going to breastfeed, but they don't really do any education or they do education in the clinic, you know, their provider kind of asks them if they're going to breastfeed and maybe gives them a few tips, but it's not like super in depth, you know, this is kind of what to expect, but you know, whatever. Um, you can get help in the, in the hospital, but I usually, I really like to stress to moms to take a breastfeeding course or start buying breastfeeding books, you know, educational tools during pregnancy to kind of anticipate for it. Because again, personal experience, I knew somewhat about breastfeeding because I'm a labor and delivery nurse, but again, didn't have any kind of real roundabout knowledge about it until I was actually breastfeeding myself and getting myself into it. And it is so much harder to learn new information when you're sleep deprived as well. <laughs> so getting that information on the front end um, and learning about 
breastfeeding, you know, when you're eight or nine months pregnant, kind of a few weeks before it's going to happen. And then having that resource there, you know, to because you can't, you know, you're not going to retain everything. Having that resource there. That's why I like, I really like the online, they have online breastfeeding classes that I that I promote. I don't teach them, but they have online breastfeeding classes. You can buy books from Amazon just to, you know, like refer, you know, to tips and stuff. And then also, you know, utilizing help from lactation consultants if you are able to. Um, Yeah, I I preach education. I mean, that's, of course, what my whole platform is about. but (laughs) But I preach education like on the front end and if possible. Oh yeah. And one of the other things, I mean, on there's so many resources online and then your pediatrician's office, if you've, if you've selected one, they sometimes, not always, and with the pandemic, they may actually like do it virtually, but they actually, like I used to teach a breastfeeding class with a lactation consultant. So kind of side note, it was kind of, it, it was kind of ironic that I, even though I, I, I taught breastfeeding, I wasn't able to breastfeed myself. That kind of goes to show how difficult it can be. That's exactly how I felt because I was like, okay, I teach moms how to do, I've taken a breastfeeding class as a labor and delivery nurse, like during my orientation and I help moms with breastfeeding, but it is a world of difference when you go through it yourself. I mean, that is just the plain truth. (laughs) And I I am going to do a whole different episode about breastfeeding guys. So I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty, obviously with, with Liesl, we have, I have a lactation consultant coming on just to kind of go through so many different nitty gritties, but I agree that getting, getting the resources and the first, you know, like you said, the first two to three weeks postpartum is that to me, that critical time, right? I have Mm -hmm. mothers come in and they're like, oh, it's going okay. I'm like, no, well, if you want to maximize, I want us to maximize like let's newborn do it. visit. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Like newborn visit. Now, if you, you know, I always ask the mother, I'm like, if this is not what you want, because sometimes it's too much or they don't want to do it. And I'm like, I support you, whatever mm-hmm. you choose. But if this is something you want, I want to maximize it now. I don't want right. to wait till the baby's two weeks old or three weeks old. I want to maximize this with you if that's what a mother wants. Right. And I agree there. I don't want a mother listening or, you know, obviously to ever feel like they, there isn't help out there for breastfeeding because there are tons of free resources now. Um, and also obviously courses that are there too, like you said. So really appreciate that. Do you deal with a lot of um, mothers in the nursery asking about tongue tie clippings at all? I'm just curious. I don't. So that's, you don't. You- <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Whenever, whenever I get that question, I always say, definitely follow up with a lactation consultant. Okay. Um, and ENT. And then I, I've also heard that pediatric dentists are a really good option for tongue ties for, you know, moms who are like suspecting tongue ties, but no tongue ties is not, I mean, he, it's funny that you say that because Walter actually had a tongue tie, um, a, a minor one, but we never got it revised because I never had pain. I never had pain with breastfeeding. So we were like, I mean, it's not, I'm like, I kind of looking back, I'm like, May it, maybe it would have helped my supplies, but he was, I mean, he, la- his latch was perfect and I didn't have any pain. It was just my supply, you know, for whatever reason. And I think it was a lot of stress more than anything is what I'm thinking in my head, going back um, and just obsessing and, you know, having postpartum anxiety and just like everything. Um, but yeah, he had, he actually had a tongue tie, but we, and we, I saw an ENT for it, but he was like, ah, it's a small one. Are you have? are you really having any pain? No. And he was like, then I would just kind of watch it. If you start to get pain, let us know. But yeah, there are definitely, I'm not like super educated on it. Definitely don't help moms with it. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious. No. And I agree. I, and that's actually what I usually say, especially in the postpartum, you know, if it's affecting the latch, if it's painful and I have seen a bunch of tongue ties that are not painful to the mother. And I, I go over the benefit risk of doing a procedure and we decide not to, and the baby turns out obviously fine. Um, but again, this is a, that's another question I got on the question box. And that is a whole other podcast or IGTV story that I'll do later. But you're right that in that postpartum period, if it's not affecting latch and not painful, then we don't really recommend from a pediatric standpoint also. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. 
I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Becoming a new mom does not come with a manual, but I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. Are you expecting a baby or know somebody who is? Make sure to grab my first year course, The New Mom Survival Guide. The on-demand course contains modules covering parenting in the first year, newborn feeding like breast and formula feeding, newborn sleep and infant sleep, introduction of solids, safety, baby care how-tos, developmental milestones, teething, and so much more. With videos and printables, you will feel supported through the first year. The course also has a roadmap that takes you through what to expect visit by visit so you can feel more confident and calm in the choices that you make and the stages that you'll go through during your baby's first year. By purchasing, you also get access to our Facebook community to troubleshoot issues or concerns. It also makes a great gift that can support a new mom through her motherhood journey. Check out the New Mom Survival Guide by visiting pedsdoctalk.com and searching our popular courses. So now I want to go through just a few more questions about that I got from the question box. How, you, you briefly mentioned this, but how to care for stitches postpartum, whether it's, you know, from vaginal, if they ended up needing like an episiotomy, which is where they have to repair or a C-section. Yeah. So C-section, the main things that we want to think about is keeping the area dry and clean. So this is, and this, you know, it might depend on kind of what your, um, what your OB did, you know, what the surgeon did, because some surgeons, they do staples, some surgeons do steri-strips, some surgeons, you know, do almost like it, it's almost, uh, it's sutures, but it's almost like a, um, a thread and needle, you know, kind of closure. Um, and they, you know, it's all different kind of dressings, but once that dressing comes off, obviously take, you know, their advice. So they're going to give you a lot of instructions and say, Hey, um, this is how you care for your incision. So look at all of that stuff and, you know, follow their advice, obviously, first. But yeah, really, the main things are like keep the area nice and nice and dry and clean. Um, use, you know, soapy water every day to to clean the incision. Um, and then don't uh, uh, things like I know some people like to kind of pick at their steri strips and kind of peel them off, but just to kind of just let them, <laughs> let them kind of fall off on their own. Um, so that's really a C-section. And going back to like the ice pack thing, it's okay to keep, you know, ice on the area, especially if it feels good, but we want to be mindful of moisture. So especially if you, um, you know, are, have like, you know, you're on the heavier side and you're keeping an ice pack there, you just want to be mindful of like making sure to pat dry after the ice pack is there. Or even if you don't have an ice pack, maybe you just got out of the shower, making sure you're kind of patting dry and making sure that area is really dry. Because it, if you're, if you have like folds down there where it, you know, there's moisture buildup, that's when we talk about infection. We don't want to have any surgical site infections because that's not fun. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, for vaginal deliveries, so most um, I mean, I'm, most, if not all stitches dissolve on their own and it usually takes, usually takes a couple weeks for them to dissolve, but not usually it's, it can last for, um, you can kind of still have those stitches dissolve at, you know, five, six weeks postpartum. And I like to tell people too, don't be surprised if it's a little bit kind of itchy and irritated down there as they're dissolving. Um, and as that like stitch is kind of just like right when it goes away, like I remember that feeling and thinking like, oh, do I have a yeast infection? And I'm like, no, I don't have any discharge or anything, but it almost like is an itchy kind of feeling. So just watch out for that. Again, you know, you can't keep your vagina super dry, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, you want to be cleanly down there and, and do lots of, um, you know, with a squirt bottle, making sure you're just keeping keeping clean down there is the main thing. 
Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, signs of infection, especially C-section, yes. redness, foul odor, foul <laughs> odor, like pus, ble- excessive bleeding from obviously the vaginal area or obviously your C-section site. Um, yes. But yeah, absolutely. Th- those are absolutely amazing tips. Now, one of the questions I got was actually more personal because you are pregnant in the middle of the pandemic. So are there any <laughs> steps because you're also working in a hospital still, right? You're still working. Ooh, yes. Are there any steps yeah. that you're taking to protect yourself during, you know, being pregnant in a pandemic? Yeah. So initially, like when this all kind of started, we were like, we're going to close. No, nothing. Nobody's going out. Nothing. My husband's, you know, gearing up when he's going to the grocery store, Liesl and Walter, you know, staying at home, like not going anywhere. And then as the restrictions started to get lifted and our, I'm in North Carolina, as restrictions started to get lifted, I started to say, okay, I can go out a little bit more, but I'm still pretty much kind of taking it easy. Like I'm not doing, I still don't go grocery shopping, which actually is kind of great. <laughs> we kind of figured that out that my husband, that was like a, this is a side note, <laughs> but that was a um, fight that we used to have where I would go grocery shopping and I would get groceries for the house and he would, I would come home with the groceries and he would say, what did you get at the store? I didn't. And, and I'm like, you didn't tell me to get it this and this and this and this. So now he goes to the store and I tell him what I want. I, you know, I tell him exactly what I want. So it's very clear and he gets whatever he wants from the store. So it actually like fixed a, a little marital fight that we yeah, <laughs> were <love it>. having. <laughs> so I still don't go to the grocery store really, unless I'm like out and I really just like need to pick up something. But yeah, just personally, I'm trying to just stay out of, you know, public, you know, crowded public areas and obviously doing all the same things that people are doing is like wearing a mask. If I'm out in public, washing my hands, like for 20 seconds, like soap suds for 20 seconds and just being cleanly and keeping hand sanitizer in my car and using hand sanitizer when I see it, you know, a pump out. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the hospital, we were same thing, you know, we were masks at the hospital and just washing your hands a whole lot, wiping down your surfaces. And I mean, you know, you just kind of at the end of the day have to do the best you can. So how has the experience been for moms in your hospital? I know obviously this is just one hospital, but right now, yeah. um, have they, I know, again, I, I know a lot of mothers are scared about going in, but I mean, you know, with the pandemic, yeah. um, but I, then I hear that, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Are you seeing that from the other side or, you know, just kind of being honest about it? Yeah, no, for sure. I think most moms, you said it exactly right, are like really, really scared initially anticipating it. And then once they get there, they're like, oh, this is not that bad. It's actually kind of nice not having 10 family members in the waiting room (laughs) and getting out of the hospital a little bit sooner and being able to go home. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think the biggest thing for us are the wearing the masks. So um, right now, we're still not saying like, you absolutely have to wear a mask during labor. Um, we're just, we're, we're having, um, partners wear masks pretty much the whole time, unless they, you know, again, you can refuse and say, Hey, no, I don't want to wear a mask, but it's fine. Um, so we're having, you know, visitors and partners wear masks all the time, wear masks like in the hallways. And then once you get in your room, um, mom can, you know, take off her mask. And then obviously I have a mask on the whole time to protect myself. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it's really, it's not as bad as people think mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, it's like you think it, you hype it up in your head, like, oh, I'm going to have all of these like restrictions and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, I get to go home a little bit sooner. And this is, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, and you know, I, I used to actually round in the hospital in the postpartum, but I am switching hospitals. So I haven't gone in and like okay. in a while, but no, I've been talking to my colleagues and exactly that sentiment that it actually yeah. is even, I, and I, so if you're a first time mom and you're like my, you know, my whole birth story or my birth thing is going to be affected by this pandemic. It really is not I want you to go in thinking it's not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. Okay. It's going to be fine. We're everyone's taking precautions and it's, you know, you'll, you'll have your baby and it's going to be, yes. and it's going to be the best experience for the times that we're in. And I, I appreciate, you know, he- hearing that firsthand. Um, yeah. yeah. What would be, so, you know, a couple of final questions, what would be like your, um, or what would be one postpartum tip that maybe you didn't know before, right? Like that, maybe from the past pregnancy that you're like, wow, I wish someone would have told me this postpartum, um, that now you want to impart on, on moms to be here. 
So we already talked about pooping. Um, so that's like my one that when somebody asks me this question that I usually say, um, expect that or just anticipate that. And here's interventions that you can do to avoid, you know, severe, severe constipation. Um, and then I guess I would also say one thing that I'm going to try and not do, especially with this pregnancy and this postpartum experience is minimize my pain like I did the first time because like I was just talking to my care provider about this the other day and how I'm going to try and like do things differently. So with Walter, you know, I didn't like have an epidural with him, super like crazy intense, you know, pain, like painful labor experience, of course. <laughs> um, even if I had had an epidural, I'm sure, you know, it still would have been painful. Like it's still, it's or had a C-section, like it's just painful to have a baby. Um, but I remember thinking so many times and having pain, whether it was the constant, the issues with the constipation or whether, whether it was vaginal pain or whether it was like a lot of cramping or whether it was pain, you know, initially when he latched or just like pain in general and minimizing it to the point of, of saying in my head, I just went through a really crazy, crazy, painful experience. Like, what am I complaining about? You know? And I remember thinking that in my head and minimizing it. And, and you know, eventually like, okay, I would take Motrin and I would feel better, you know, heal, healing happens and you heal. But I just, I remember thinking about that months later and being like, I feel like that wasn't right. Like, I feel like I probably should have spoken up about this or taken my colace more regularly or just like done more interventions and not minimize my pain. So that's something I also like to tell people, don't minimize your pain. If you hurt, you hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, and I normally am not, I normally don't have pain, meaning I, I have a pain, a high pain threshold. So I, I did minimize mine. I completely agree with you. And then that actually led me to have more complications. Cause I was like, Oh, is this normal? I, and cause you don't know what's normal and no one else can be inside your body. So I kept saying, I'm like, something doesn't feel right. I don't know. Like, is it normal not to do this? Is it normal to have this pain? Um, and if you're feeling it, it's probably not normal. Like meaning there's something there. And I, one thing besides the colase, um, I agree with you completely that do not skip out on your pooping meds because it's when you can't poop, it's going to hurt a lot more. So stay on, stay ahead of the game um, on your pooping meds for sure. And then the other thing is if you did have a C-section, especially the amount of pain that can happen postpartum, like stay on top of those pain meds also, like don't feel like you're trying to be a hero and say, okay, well, I don't need to take it because it can hit you much later. And I learned that the hard way. I thought I didn't need it. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh my gosh, especially funny, I didn't know this, 24, so the first 24 hours, if you, if you get an epidural, so if you get an epidural, the first 24 hours postpartum, you're going to feel like a million bucks. It's going to be like, mm -hmm. it takes a while to wear off. Good point. I didn't yes. realize that it was going to take so long. And then after 24 hours, I was like, oh, ooh, this, this hurts because that epidural can actually s stick around for a little bit if you choose to get one. Um, yep. But no, I agree. And with guess you. what else? Yeah. And guess what else happens at 24 hours? Usually babies wake up more at 24 hours of life. So your baby, so you're hurting more and your baby's screaming a little bit more. Oh yeah. So it's the hard, it's, like, it's like such a cruel joke almost. Like you go through this major experience and then you have yes. to take care of another human being when you're in pain. Yeah. Um, obviously there's comp, you know, with, even with not just C-section, but vaginal deliveries, the amount of bleeding that can happen is, you know, yes. is actually, I didn't real. that was one thing I didn't know is that I didn't realize that the amount of bleeding that comes postpartum when you're basically having the uterus is starting to shrink down the amount mm -hmm. of bleeding that happens it's like huh I, I didn't I didn't know that I actually didn't know that you bleed yeah. that much and it's not yep. a period it's like imagine not having your period for nine months it like makes up for it just <laughs> like builds up yeah it's like a weeks. nine month like long period yep. yeah yeah mm -hmm. for weeks and I you know and it sometimes comes out clotted and I kept asking I'm like mm -hmm. is this normal like why is my like why am I bleeding and it is obviously if you're feeling unsure you talk you talk to the postpartum team yeah um, but these are great tips, Liesl. So what would be yeah. your final message to, for moms to be, you know, obviously you yeah. having been, you know, had this is your baby number two, you're a labor and delivery nurse. You have a lot of experience professionally and personally, what would be your final message? So I think it's, whenever people ask me this question, I always kind of say the same thing. And I always say, educate yourself because that's my whole platform. And that's what I stand for. Um, and, you know, that's kind of my whole thing. And the more you learn, you know, there's a degree of where I almost, or you probably agree with me too, because you're a professional. Um, I almost 
have a little bit more anxiety because I know too much, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> that can happen. That can happen with birth professional, you know, nurses and doctors and, you know, um, professionals, but educate yourself, learn, you know, engulf yourself. If you're, especially if you're having anxiety about this experience, whether it's the birth process and actually going through labor or having, you know, if you plan to have a C-section or having surgery, or it's taking care of a newborn, or it's this, that, the other, the more that you learn about it, the less scary it's going to be. So that's my whole thing. That's my whole platform is to just keep educating, keep talking and keep having conversations. And it's okay to call your provider and ask more questions, like the more talking and the more educating, the better. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, again, your page, mommy labor nurse. And again, if you're listening to this and you don't follow Liesl on mommy labor nurse, you need to go do that I right mean... now because, <laughs> and like I said earlier in this episode, you do not even need to be pregnant or want a child to love her content because it's just, I, <laughs> I love, I love educational accounts that you don't even have to relate to the topics because you're just such a good educator. So it's just fun yeah. to read. I followed you even Thank before you. I was pregnant. So, and obviously Thank I got you. pregnant. I loved it. But mommy.labornurse is her Instagram. Yes. Um, but yes. you said it perfectly. The education is amazing and you do such a great job doing it. I cannot thank you enough for joining us today on this episode. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Mona. I'm always happy to, to come on. <laughs> and I wish you the best of luck with your delivery. I can't thank wait you. to hear how it goes. I can't wait to see oh. pictures of that beautiful baby face yes. um, and take care. And I, again, thank you so much for coming on also when you're 36 weeks pregnant. So um, have, yeah, a, have a very good here. end of your pregnancy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, please leave a review, share it with a friend, comment on my social media. And if you're not already, follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram. Love doing this for all of you. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Talk to you soon. you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.